Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junson. We're here with a very, very special guest. He has been in the big leagues for nine years, most recently on the wagon Toronto Blue Jays. If you watched the game on Monday, which is yesterday, he made a beautiful diving play to get the save. It is my boy, Anthony Bass. What is up, Anthony? Good to see you, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk baseball and Blue Jays. Yeah, man. Of course we're going to be talking Blue Jays. I'm going to start this off right here. People are probably punching the air saying all I do is talk to Blue Jays. How much of a wagon are the Toronto Blue Jays? How underrated are they? Let's talk about it a little bit right now. <laughs> uh, I, I tweeted something a, a little while back. I said, don't sleep on us. There's a lot of raw young talent that a lot of people don't realize that we have. And I think that the young guys don't realize how good they are. Um, in a 60-game season, I, I like our chances at um, potentially being a Cinderella story. And, um, you know, just taking one day at a time, though, not getting too far ahead of ourselves. But I really do like the young group of guys that we have. Oh, I do too, man. I mean, the thing that sucks is, and this is, this is what's kind of shitty for, for guys like you the first year on the team, right? Um, the thing that's going to be tough is, is you're not going to be able to pitch at the Rogers Center in front of the fans that are a little bit intoxicated. I'll be honest, the Blue Jays fans like to get after it a little bit. Does that kind of suck for you, man, not being able to get that experience on the home side of the Toronto Blue Jays? Because you've pitched here, obviously, with other teams, the Mariners, all that kind of stuff. But how, how much were you looking forward to pitching for Canada's team? Oh, I was looking forward to it. Um, I got the experience in 2015. I was on the playoff roster with the Rangers. I was left off of it, but I traveled with the team. So I was there when Bautista hit the home run and did the flip and how – loud that stadium got it felt like it was about to take off um everything was shaking i couldn't have a conversation with the guy next to me it was so loud and i was like really looking forward to experiencing that again at, at the rogers center but hopefully we can get some of uh you know some blue jays fans in buffalo to kind of replicate it a little bit yeah man i mean and i think they should do a taxi squad for fans I think I should be on that list. Just, just to throw that out there. And this is me. I didn't even think about this for the podcast. This is just this is me on the spot here. There should be a taxi squad for fans. I will quarantine myself. I will just isolate myself from the world just to go to Blue Jays games and cheer you, Nate, Trent, all all the boys of the podcast on. Man, I'd be electric. I mean, even having like twenty fans would be. Hey, cool. we're all for, we're all for that. I mean, if, if, if <clears throat> we can take your energy and pack Buffalo. I mean, the place is gonna get loud. Yeah, I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to risk my job. <laughs> I'm willing to risk not making any money just to cheer for the Toronto Blue Jays and Buffalo. And you guys need that, man. I want to talk about the first couple games you guys have played, man. I mean, <clears throat> definitely caught a few guys, a few teams off a surprise. I mean, you, you guys beat the Rays opening day. What a game that was! I want to talk about that game for a second. I mean. It just – I love seeing these guys like Ryu kind of carved did pretty well. The bullpen wasn't that bad on the first day. What was that like? Was Did you guys kind of treat that as like a message to the world? Like, listen, we're going to be beating teams like the Rays. We're going to be beating teams like that. We're going to surprise you guys, man. Was that the mindset you guys kind of had going into opening day? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we went into opening day with our best starting pitcher, and we felt like we had a great chance of winning that, that game. Ryu did a great job. I was hoping he got that last out in the fifth so he could be in line for the win. It didn't happen, but we knew as a bullpen <clears throat> that we had to step up, <clears throat> excuse me, and pick him up. But um, one of the things that one of the takeaways from that series is I felt like we should have walked out of there with with two wins. Um, we kind of beat ourselves game three. 
there in the ninth, and it's still, it's still like on the on the back of my mind. I still think about that that game and how the ninth inning unfolded. Um, but we could very well be three and one right now. I feel like. Oh, for sure. And you guys could be a top of the AL East because there's a couple teams in the AL East that have kind of left the door open. And when I mean a couple teams, I'm specifically targeting the Boston Red Sox who have just, I mean, you just hate to see it, but I love to see it. You just hate to see it. If you're a Red Sox fan, do you guys kind of look at, and even being throughout your major league career, do you kind of look at standings and be like, listen, we need this one today, or even look at the fact that a short season and every game counts as 2.7. Have you guys kind of looked into that? I mean, yeah, we're definitely aware of how the divisions, um, progressing and unfolding um it's still super early is as like you said worth pretty much double potentially triple it's it's normal value especially in division games like the rays we we really needed to come out of there with a series win it just didn't happen that way but you know we keep an eye on it uh, maybe not so much now but as, as the season progresses we'll uh see um how the uh, division shakes up yeah and i wanted to go back into something it's a little bit off field um, this is something cool because I've kind of found this in, with doing the research on you. You're married to Jesse James Decker's wife, I believe. Or not wife, sorry, sister, right? Is that correct? <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yep. So can we call you kind of a reality TV star slash baseball player? Because you kind of, I mean, you, you got the nah. followers to be a reality star, man. I mean, I respect <laughs> it. No, I'm not, I'm not that. I just, I'm a baseball player. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to, to be a part of um, – Sydney and, and, and her family, they're just super down to earth, really good people, really funny, keep things light. Uh, I always joke and say that um, my sister-in-law, Jess, would fit in perfect in a clubhouse. She just like, <laughs> gets, she gets like the, the male humor and, and the no filter. Um, she's, she's really cool. Dude, she's a legend. Like, she really is a legend, and she's unbelievable at singing, and not to mention her husband. And I'll say this. We, we, he's a man missile. He's a good-looking dude. If this, this guy is uncomfortably good-looking. So when you met this guy, <laughs> did you kind of get that feeling like this guy is the alpha wherever he goes? Or were you trying to alpha him, maybe with the handshake? No, 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 no. He, he, we're both Midwest boys. Being from Michigan, he's from Minnesota. Like, we, uh, we connected right away and, and just um, – talking and you know sports stories i really enjoy listening to his experiences playing in nfl for eight seasons and, and what he kind of went through and his body went through and how much toil it really took on it on him um he was pretty much ready to be done there at the end but he's he's, he's a great guy uh, loves the game of baseball um the last couple of years i know with seattle last year um we brought him in into the stadium for batting practice so he hit batting practice with the guys, and the guys really enjoyed it last year with Seattle. Oh, dude, that's, a, that's electric. And you said you're from Michigan. I wanted to bring this up because I'm a Michigan Wolverines guy. I love the Wolverines. Are you a Michigan guy or an MSU guy? I need to answer this for our friendship. <laughs> so I'm kind of different in, in, in that regards. Um, I grew up a huge Michigan football fan because it's Lloyd Carr. He's from uh, Riverview, which is close to my hometown. Um, loved his coaching style and I loved the greats that uh, he coached, but I really do love Tom Izzo. Uh, oh. So like I root for Michigan state basketball. <laughs> I, I, and I always say, look, I didn't go to either school. So I feel like I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> but if hey. I went to one school or the other, I felt like I would have to 
part. For sure. No, for play. sure. That definitely makes sense because I like Michigan football, but I'm a free agent in other sports. I don't really have a favorite team for other sports. And you went to Wayne State, which is a D2 school, which is just the trenches. I mean, you most guys, the, the journey that you took, right? I mean, not many guys that are in the major leagues right now say they were a, they were an NCAA Division II athlete, man. So talk about that grind from for you to go from Wayne State, which is a D2 in Michigan, to mm-hmm. being a fifth-round draft pick by the Padres, to, to making your major league debut in 2011. How, how weird was that for you, man? Like, was that did – you did you know that was going to happen? Some, was that something you envisioned? I mean, as a kid, I've always envisioned playing major league baseball, but that's not really a reality for most of us. And when I went to college at Wayne State, I just really wanted to get better each season, and I set goals for myself. And when I started throwing uh, in the mid-90s, going into my junior year, at Wayne State, um, that's when it kind of hit me that I had a chance to play professional baseball. And then as the season progressed, I had scouts coming and watching me pitch more and more. It's It felt like the attention was getting higher. And then I had um, uh, advisors start reaching out to me to represent me in the draft. And, and that's when I knew that, all right, I think I have a good shot at playing professional baseball. And then when the Padres drafted me there in 2008, I just said, look, um, I'm coming from a small school. I always had to work really hard for everything I've ever earned. Uh, that's not going to stop. And my mission is to be a major league pitcher. So I knew how to put in a lot of work. Yeah, dude. It's just like, it's crazy because it's most guys. I mean, the guys that are in, that are big bullpen guys like you, they're usually guys that get drafted top 10 rounds out of high school or just, or they just played division one baseball or went to a nasty Juco. So it's kind of cool to see guys, especially from Wayne state, a, 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 a kind of a small D two in Michigan, kind of living his dream nine year, big league career, man. So I, I have to ask you this. Do you think there will be an Anthony Bass statue in at Wayne state? Cause I, I might have to start vouching for it because I think it should happen. <laughs> No, 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 no. You don't need to put that stuff up, man. I'm just enjoying the ride. Uh, I feel like Wayne State's really on the map now with baseball. Uh, the past few years, they've they've won conference championships and gone deep into the um, the tournament there. Uh, they made it to the regionals last year. They had a, a young pitcher by the name of Hunter Brown drafted by the Astros in the fifth round, throwing uh, upper 90s. So I think Wayne State's no longer kind of a hidden spot anymore. I think it's getting more recognition around that part of the country and uh, it's a great uh, option for guys that want to play right away that might not be playing um, at a division one school their first year you know go to Wayne State um, still play great competition get seen Um, great head coach and Ryan Kelly and his entire staff so I think Wayne State's no longer um, hidden oh for sure and I wanted to talk about this because what we do in this podcast is we pump the guest tires which means I just like to show your stats off a little bit and let me talk about your stats in the first year. I mean, this is numbers that is just looks like what we call video game numbers, all right? 160 ADRA, 48 innings pitched, nine earned runs and three bombs, 24 Ks. Talk about that first year for you, man. I mean, what was going right? Because pretty much here, you might, if I, like, you kind of put your name on the map that year, man. Pretty incredible numbers here. Yeah, um, I would just wanted to stick in the big leagues. I know it's really tough to get to the major leagues. And I knew in order to stay, you have to put up numbers, you have to perform. So um, I was just really focused and locked in. I was really disciplined off the field, not going out all the time. Uh, I wanted to establish myself in the major leagues because I know that this opportunity doesn't happen um, often. 
Um, And and thankfully, you know, it worked out to my advantage. It doesn't always, but it's a tough game that we play. And I just made sure that I did everything in my control and my power to put myself in a position to, uh, to dominate. And in San Diego, you played with a guy that is, I guess you could say, I can make an argument for he's one of the faces of baseball. I mean, Anthony Rizzo, before he was one of the faces of baseball, this is when he was struggling. I believe he hit 141 that year. Big stats guy. Um, What was he like, man, when he was kind of struggling with the Padres? Or what was he like before he got massive, like massively famous, like a superstar? His confidence was pretty low when I played with him in San Diego. I mean, he toured up in AAA with Tucson that year and he got the call. We were all really happy for him. And then, uh, you know, it's a faster paced game. He had to learn uh, major league pitching and it, it's a learning curve for some guys, for majority of players, I feel like when they make their debut. And I, I saw the talent there. I think, I think everyone knew what he was capable of, but there's a, there's such a small window of opportunity and they want to see results. And once that window's pretty much over, they're going to move on. I think that's what happened in San Diego. I think they, they let him go way too soon, obviously. But um, I always knew that he had the potential to be, be a perennial all-star. And I was just hoping that San Diego saw that. It's crazy, though, because major league teams, you are right on that. I mean, they just some of them have just such short fuses or, I guess, short lines. And you saw it with a couple of guys that were on the Blue Jays that year, Bautista at the home run, Bautista being one of them, man. I mean, when he was on the Pirates – he kind of didn't really get that much of a chance and they just gassed him. And same with another guy by the name of Edwin Encarnacion, who kind of turned into the player he is with the Blue Jays, man. So have you seen that a lot throughout your career? You're not your big league career where teams kind of let guys go way too prematurely. Yeah, I see that quite a bit. And you've, you gave a couple of scenarios with uh, Bautista and Encarnacion. And I feel like in a way I kind of experienced that a little bit um, in Houston and then again in Texas when I came back from Japan in 17. Um, especially as a reliever, man, you have to perform. There's yeah. so many. You're so, you're so disposable. They can replace you like that. Um, so if you're not putting up zeros every night, they're going to find someone that can. Um, I, just, I was just glad in 2018 that I, I really got a chance with the Cubs to like really showcase my stuff in a higher leverage role. And um, I just kind of ran with it. From then, and um, thankful that the Blue Jays picked me up this year and and continue uh, what I've been doing. Oh, trust me, dude, I am uncomfortably thankful you're on the Toronto Blue Jays because the bullpen has always been kind of a problem here in Toronto, and having guys like you just making diving plays and shit like that, I just watch what you see. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about a team that you played. You mentioned the Chicago Cubs, man, and that was the year they lost, I believe, in the wild card game to the Brewers. Am I right on that? The Brewers. I believe either the Brewers or the Rockies. I didn't. I didn't make the playoff roster, so I don't remember. Oh, that's all right, man. But I just <laughs> want to talk about this because the Cubs is such a massive, massive major league market, a massive team. When there's a good, when there's a good team on the field, man, it's it's hard to get tickets to those kind of games. So I wanted to ask you about that. What what was it like playing in the historic Wrigley Field for a disgusting Cubs baseball team? Oh, it was awesome. The the energy from the fans, you can feel it when you're when you're going well, man. They they embrace you, they love you. Um, but when you don't do well, they let you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, my last outing there, I, I I got hurt and I wasn't able to throw any strikes, so they were booing me pretty pretty loudly when I was walking off the mound. Um, but playing there, just knowing all the history, all the greats that have pitched on that mound, um, it's just super surreal, man, and humbling and. 
like I said, I, I try to embrace the moment where I am and really enjoy putting on a Cubs uniform in 18. Oh, dude, like it, it, a lot of people, the thing about Chicago and massive markets like that, you can kind of see it in Toronto for hockey. You have like a three, like a bad three game stretch. You're the most wanted person on the planet, like in, in that city. <laughs> and, and, and Edwin Jackson mentioned it in our interview with him. He said, it's so hard to keep the fans pleased in areas like Chicago because you have to just like carve or mash. And you kind of saw that yeah. with uh, Addison Russell, I believe, right? He was nasty yeah. with them a couple years. And last year, the year before, he was just – people were just wanting it, like they wanting him out of Chicago, right? So have yeah. you – who is, in your opinion, the guys that you've played with, who's one guy that has taken it, taken it the worst from the hometown faithful? From my experience, I think Darvish. Oh my in, God! In in LA and in Chicago, he really get let the fans and the media get to him. Um, I mean, I saw it. My teammates saw it. Um, he's so talented; he doesn't need to worry about that the noise, you know. Um, and I think out of all the guys I play with, he really lets it bother him. Yeah, for sure. And and I I told this to Nate because. Nate Pearson is one of the biggest pitching prospects in Toronto baseball history. Plain and simple. He's, he's, he's the kind of guy that literally is talked about all the time in the media. And I wanted to bring up because when he made that start against Boston, he kind of struggled a little bit. And the first thing the media starts talking about here is, is does he have control issues? Like he's a 23-year-old kid or 24-year-old kid pitching in Fenway Park for the first time. What do you expect this guy to do, right? I mean – it's just crazy, man. And, and being a guy that's been in the league for nine years, like do you, for, like you, have you given advice to youngsters? Like, listen, man, do like, do not listen to the media. Do not listen to the fans. Don't listen to any of that stuff. My advice, whenever they ask me, kind of like, what do I do? How do I, how do I go about my business? I look. I say, look, figure out you. What what works for you? What is your best weapon or weapons to get people out? Once you figure those two things out, I'm like, you don't change everything. You don't have to change everything. There's a reason why you're in the major leagues. You're very good at what you do. Now, we want to be great at what you're good at. One of my old coaches always said that, be great at what you're good at. And I kind of just like embrace that motto. And I tell young guys to do that. Yeah, that, 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 that's great. Because the biggest thing about baseball is, is it's a mental game, right? If you're successful 30% of the time as a hitter, you're, you're an all-star. You're, you're like borderline a Hall of Famer if you're successful 30% of the time. And some guys that have problems with dealing with that stuff, those are the guys that get pushed down at AAA that are massive prospects that have, that have success throughout their whole minor league career. And you see this all the time. They get to the majors, more noise, more eyes on you, and then they, they kind of fumble because it's like if you don't have success your first year, you're toast. Like people last year – we're talking about Vladdy kind of being not a bust, but you could see it over Twitter like Vladdy's going to be a bust or Vladdy's overweight, all that kind of stuff. And I want to bring that up to you. How disgusting is Vladdy? Like, tell the Toronto Blue Jays faithful what they have to look forward to for this guy because I think he's going to be disgusting at the game of baseball. Have you seen his dad play? Because that's yeah, what exactly, he Exactly, man. Um, he's, his power, as everyone knows, is his greatest tool. Um, he can hit. He's just starting the year a little slow. I mean, it's, we're four games in. Like, let's let's pump the brakes, relax. He's going to be fine. He's a super talented, great teammate, hard worker on the field. He's, he wants to win baseball games. And obviously he has his dad as a, as a great example of 
how to hit, how to play in the big leagues. And if he has any slumps or, or funks or whatever he's going through, he's got a great mentor and his dad to help him. So um, I, I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> I would, I hope he stays in Toronto for a long time. You and me both, man. You and me both, because I would it would break my heart to see a guy like Vladdy leave, man. Like he is gonna be so good for such a long time. And what is he lifetime against you? Have you gotten any live has he has any live bees against you or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I haven't faced him in the major leagues. I, I faced him in a minor league backfield game and uh I think I struck him out once ground ball. <laughs> there was no one behind me. I mean it's it's whatever. Like, it doesn't mean anything, but he says I have good stuff. That's what he told me. <laughs> and that is something you should put in your resume, your Twitter bio, uh, your marriage vows. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. said you have good stuff. Like, I mean, that's just one of the biggest compliments of all time, right? I mean, he's, right. he's a guy that's going to be, like you said, in the big leagues for a very long time. He's seen a lot of stuff. And that Blue Jays young core, I want to talk about Bo Bichette. Because Bo Bichette, this is the year that I genuinely think that if you guys were playing in Toronto, it would be impossible for Bobochet to go out because every single Toronto female would want to marry him and want want him to want him to want to date him. He's gonna be. Oh, the girls are crazy about Bo. Oh, the girls are very crazy about Bo. He is kind of similar to Austin Matthews in hockey. I don't know if you watch hockey, but he's kind of like the the Austin okay. Matthews of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Got and it. what have you seen out of Bo, man? Because you played with the like I said, you played with a ton of unbelievable players, Javier Baez. Prince Fielder, all these kind of guys. What have you seen out of uh, Bo Bichette? He can swing hard. He swings the bat hard. One of the hardest swings <laughs> yeah. I've ever yeah. seen, man. Um, I think he's going to be a perennial all-star in the big leagues, and I think the Blue Jays would be very wise to lock him up to a long, long-term deal. Um, he's kind of like Vladdy. I mean, he's, he's got a great example with his dad playing in the big leagues for so long and having a, a great career. Um, he, he has a great eye to plate. So I faced him last year. And um, if you make a mistake in the zone, I mean, Bo's going to hit it hard. And for being so young as he is to hit those mistakes as hard as he does and not miss them is impressive. And I think he's going to be uh, a cornerstone piece to the franchise. Yeah, you like, and the way you're speaking right now, you're making me want to like run through a brick wall for you right now. I feel like the way you're speaking, you're kind of giving me that hope that we might have Anthony Bass locked in here in the back of the Blue Jays uh, <laughs> bullpen for for five to ten years here. I'm fired up for it. I'm excited for it. And the, and the next thing I want to talk about is, like I said, you played with Prince Fielder. This is a guy. If he didn't have injuries, could potentially have over 700 home runs in the major leagues. So I might get roasted for that comment. That's just my belief because he's so nasty at baseball. What was your time like with Prince Fielder, man? Because this guy swing. You said Bo swings hard. Prince Fielder swings the bat hard, dude. He does. Um, when I played them in 15 with Texas, he was on fire for us. I mean, he was hitting close to – I think he was hitting close to like 400 during like a, like a month stretch for us at one point. Um, everything he hit was just barreled. And um, – He's another professional at bat, man. Like he knows, he knows what he's good at, man, and he, and he's great at it, and that's why he's an all-star. Kind of funny story is uh, I grew up in Michigan, being a Detroit Tigers yeah. fan. So my favorite player as a kid growing up was his dad, Cecil. Um, so it was cool to be able to play with Prince and to kind of see what he was like, um, you know, in the clubhouse and around the field. And he was uh, always smiling, always joking, always happy. Uh, he was, he was fun to be around and, and obviously a tremendous talent. 
For sure, man. For sure. And and like I like like we said, you're on the Blue Jays now, an AL East team. But what let's when you got signed by the Blue Jays, when you came to the Toronto Blue Jays, was part of you like looking at the AL East lineups and being like, "Holy shit, I have to face Stanton Judge and then Rafael Devers." Uh, who else? I'm trying to think, JD Martinez. Like, did you kind of look at all the people you're gonna have to face and be like, "I better have my best shit this year"? It's a, it's a challenging division, but. I look forward to that challenge. I, I want to face the best hitters. You know, I, I played in the AL West for a long time and had to face the greatest hitter in the game. So it's, it's nothing new. Um, and I look forward to it and uh, I'm going to use my best stuff, whatever that is that day and uh, see if you can beat me. But I, I like my chances. I like your chances too. And like I said, I'm a betting man. I might have to start this narrative, Anthony, Anthony Bass for a gold glove. For the pitcher. Because like I said, if people look at this, I want to tweet this clip out on the official official Twitter account. Because this dive, I'm specifically, I'm not talking about the play you made yesterday. You made this diving play in Texas. I don't know if you remember this. I did my research. You look like a young Derek Jeter on the bump. And like, and you're, Get out here. it's just a lot like, pitchers don't do that, right? I mean, pitchers don't make diving plays. So when you make that diving play, are you kind of in the back of your head like, I'm a dog? Like, are you got a little bit, a little bit more <laughs> confidence on that? So, usually when I make those plays, it's all reaction, you know. I see that ball hit, and all I'm thinking of is, I don't want to face the next batter. I want to get out of this inning. I want this game to be done with, like, last night. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to see another hitter in this Nationals lineup. They're, they're really talented and really good. So, I just I just react, man. I get the ball, and, and I take a lot of pride in my pitching fielding practice, like, behind the scenes. Um you know, in spring training and, and when we have early work, like I, I take a lot of pride in it because I know those plays are going to happen and I want to be ready for them. So, um, yeah. Dude, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's kind of cool because you took advantage of an opportunity yesterday, right? I mean, Ken Giles is out, he's hurt, and you come in as the closer and you, start, and you just do your job. You do what you're talking about. And next thing you know, you got the Blue Jays Twitter like all the Toronto Blue Jays fans talking about you for the closer, you for the setup guy. And just, just after one appearance, you love it. I mean, it's a good over-exaggeration. And speaking about Twitter, what's the worst thing that a fan has ever said to you on Twitter? Like, let's say you had like a tough appearance and a fan literally said to you, you just lost me $200 on a three-team bet. Has a fan ever roasted you on Twitter battery? Like, oh, yeah. I need to get I this mean, guy blocked. I mean, I played for the Cubs, man. And when I did bad, I mean, I got worn out. I don't remember word for word, but it was basically like sending this guy back down to A-ball. He doesn't even deserve to be in AAA. Um, it, like, that stuff, like, whatever. Uh, if they say that, it's funny. But, like, when it, you, when it crosses the line when you start bringing in, like, family and, like, things like that. Like, that's when it's too much, you know. But if you just say, like, I suck. I should go to trip like double A or whatever. Like I can just whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm going to offer you this because I offer this to all my guests. I forgot to mention in the recent podcast. I will personally be the Anthony Bass Twitter burner account. If any guy <laughs> comes at you, if any Blue Jays fan comes at you, or anything, any fan comes at you from another team, they're getting put in virtual body bags by me. I'm roasting them. I just do. I do that for you, Nate. All the guys, Glass. Now I do that for all the guys that have came on the show. So I'm offering that to you free of charge right. a little security right there one of the funnier things that, that happened to me was last year um some guy behind me felix was was starting for us and it was like his last start of the year and i was warming up and the guy behind me goes don't mess this up anthony this is felix's last start i'm like thanks for reminding me is what i was thinking in my head like not enough pressure as it is <laughs> who says that? i mean 
you just like that's like when you step up to the tee on the golf course and you just shank and someone says dude this has to go in the fairway like my ball's out don't shank this it's 100 percent right. times you're gonna shank that so what, what, <laughs> you already put negativity in my head exactly. and i gotta block it out and what happened in that appearance because you said you, you you came out of the pen for felix's last start what happened there how'd you do uh i believe i did well i believe i came in the game and got the guys out i don't remember 100 but i knew i didn't give him any rounds that's good. That's good. I mean, and did you play with a friend of the show, Jake Fraley, last year? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He, he, like I said, man, I like to bring up the guy, see if you have any, uh, any, any, any funny stories about him, or do you just uh, – he was there for a kind of short period of time, but what was yeah. the first impression you got of Thor-looking Jake, who just mashes yeah. baseball? Yeah, man. He's, he's super talented, really quiet, um, keeps to himself goes about his business, very strong, uh, Christian guy, uh, does everything right, doesn't want to bring too much attention to himself. Um, he was just getting his feet wet last year, you know, in the big leagues, trying to catch up to the game. Game obviously can speed up young guys, but um, he's going to be fine, and he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch out in the outfield. Oh, he for sure is. And you, you, you probably don't know this, but he has the first ever called shot on official and officials. He came on our show – like three days before he was playing in spring training on a Friday, he said, I, I said, can you promise me you're going to hit a bomb for the fans, for the podcast? And he hit a nuke over the right field fence off of stripling on the Dodgers. And it was really? one of the coolest things ever, man. I mean, it was one of the coolest That's things true. ever. And he called his of, shot. He called his shot. A, a young Babe Ruth. But I wanted to bring something up for you because you're the guy that you're, you want to embrace Toronto. We want to bring up your uh, marketing in here in Toronto. So I want to start something for you because you're the setup guy now. You're going to be the guy shutting the door, or even you're going to be the closer because we don't know how long Ken Giles is going to be out for. Josh Donaldson used to do this. I'm asking for you, Nate, whoever, to do this. After you do something good, just throw up the six in the air. For the city of Toronto, six, you're not going to be playing in there. Out. Like this. <laughs> you just throw the six up for the, for the city. You know, like that's, that's, what, okay. that's what Josh Donaldson would do when he would touch home plate when he did a bomb, and that's what you made him massive, six. obviously because he's disgusting too. But when, oh, you, yeah. when you're running the bullpen, you just throw up the – when you're running to the dugout, you just throw <laughs> up the six. And I – and listen here. I will guarantee you, you will well, – let me see the sign again. So I, I got it down. like this. So you just throw the six. You just throw oh, okay, the six yeah. up like this. This is what I do. That's what Josh Donaldson do. He used to kiss and then go through six. He's looking nice. to throw a six. So when Josh Donaldson did that, that was one of the most electric things ever, just being from Toronto and just seeing a guy that kind of embraces the city. So I'm just trying to help you out here. I'm a big Anthony okay. Katz guy. I'm just trying to help okay. you out, man. I appreciate that. All right. I like the six, throwing up the threes. Yeah, there it is, man. So that, that's what I'm thinking you should be doing here. And, and obviously different circumstances, because I said we're playing in Toronto. <clears throat> You're not going to be playing in Toronto this year. How much, like, what, what was your thought process on you guys playing in Toronto and having to travel to the U.S.? Were you one of the guys that were like, I'm kind of, I don't feel kind of safe doing that, or I don't want to be isolated in Toronto where I can't leave my hotel room? I was open to playing in Toronto. I felt like playing in Toronto was our best option to perform at our best, being yeah. in a major league stadium and facilities, and also just like being in our in our hometown of Toronto. Like as a team, we wanted to be in Toronto. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, and we respect the government's decision. Um, so our next focus was like, all right, we need to get a major league ballpark yeah. because those amenities. It's it's my wife kind of put it put it nicely. She was a, telling uh, my father-in-law it's kind of like staying at a holiday inn and and taking southwest flights around the country for work versus uh, a private airplane and staying at the four seasons 
that's kind of like the difference between minor yeah. league facilities and a major league facility. And my father was father was like, that makes a lot of sense now, because it's it's true. Um, when you have those amenities and those facilities, and, and that's what you kind of get accustomed to, and then you have to take a step back. Um, it's it's not always enjoyable, but we also understand that we're going to go out in the field and we're going to compete and we're going to win games no matter where we are. True, true, and 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 why that is the smartest analogy I think I've ever heard. Now I get it a little bit more. Now I kind of understand it. And you guys playing in Buffalo is pretty much like the whole Blue Jays team getting optioned to AAA. I mean, if you look at the facilities, man. I mean, nothing, not 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 knocking, not knocking New Era. I believe I don't know what's called anymore, but not knocking that field. But it's <laughs> you don't you don't have you don't have the batting cages. You don't have the access to stuff like they, that you had at the Rogers Center, right? I mean, you guys had a, like multiple video rooms, I believe, where you could watch where you could watch what you're doing, watch all that kind of stuff. You have a lot of access to things, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. It's it, it comes down to the amenities. It's not the the surface. The playing surface in Buffalo is great, from what I hear. Uh, nice old vintage stadium. Like we're fine. It's just like the locker room's very small, and we have a lot of people. And we're trying to you know practice social distancing. So like, how's that going to look? There's only one batting cage for both teams. Like, wow, that's like they got to fix that. Um, so like those amenities and obviously the lights need to be major league um standards um so th- those are the issues and i think that they're going to resolve those they're uh, in the process of putting money into the stadium to to help accommodate us yeah no for sure and one thing that was like for kind of crazy when i was following along with it is they they were going to suggest you guys to play in pittsburgh at the pirates field like that i mean it's a major league park man but you like it still kind of gives that feeling that you're playing a, like an away game anyways right yeah, it does, but I was looking forward to it. Um, I like playing in, in Pittsburgh at the field. It's really nice. They have a big visiting clubhouse. They've got a big weight room. Everything's a lot bigger. they got our own batting cage. So all those things were going to be really nice. It's a fair ballpark, too, so it's not advantageous to the hitters or pitchers, which is beneficial. The weather is beautiful year-round in the summertime. There are just a lot of perks to playing there, and we understand it's, it's not home. It's not Toronto. But it's better than, you know, in our opinion, playing in a minor league stadium. It's yeah, and, and playing in Toronto is obviously the key goal, and it sucks. Like it literally sucks because I wanted to see how packed the Rogers Center would be for tomorrow for Nate Pearson's debut start. Man, it would, dude, it Me would too. be insane. It would be like what I would compare it to would be like when the Jays got David Price. David Price made his first start with the Blue Jays, and it was like you couldn't find tickets to this game. And I could be wrong. I, I Maybe not many people showed up until he kind of starts doing something in the show. But And even for guys like you, I wanted you guys – I want people to see how crazy the stadium gets when the Jays are good, and it sucks. It sucks that you guys mm-hmm. aren't going to be able to see I agree. That. What are the fans – I have a question for you. What do the fans think of this young team this season? Oh, man. It, it, because this is the cool thing, right? When you look at this, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, same thing. They're a young team, nasty, a lot of potential. Like they've paid a lot of money, obviously, to get a good team. But there's a lot of hype behind it. And with the Blue Jays, the thing that I'm starting to realize is in the media is they're kind, they're, they're, everyone's starting to realize it's a process. Like if you lose the first couple of games, you don't make the playoffs this year, everyone's like, that's cool. Just know in the next couple of years, the Jays are going to be a wagon. That's the thing that I've started to understand here with the Toronto media is they're a little bit less like now, now, now compared to what they used to be with the Blue Jays. They're now understanding like we're going, they went through a rebuild. The rebuild's almost done. You guys have a ton of good players now. 
and all that kind of stuff. What has the Toronto media been like with you, I guess? Like, what has, like, the Toronto baseball fans been like on your Twitter or Instagram or all that kind of stuff? All positive Super stuff? supportive. Uh, very positive. Happy to, you know, they're happy what they see. They like what they see, I should say. Um, they wish that we came out ahead in, in Tampa like we do. Uh, it really was a tough series. I felt like we should have won it. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Very supportive, like I said. It's very strange doing interviews um, through video calls now and, and not in person. Or, like, reporters will email me with questions, which is fine. Like, I totally get it, and I think it's a smart way of going about it right now. Um, but we're really looking forward to, like, the rest of this year, how it plays out. And, like I said, I hopefully um, we're that Cinderella story. You know, a lot of people sleeping on us, and, and we prove them wrong. Dude, and I get roasted all the time from my American friends when I say the Jays are going to be good. I get absolutely just torched on everything when I say the Jays are going to be good. And Thomas Pannone said it best on the podcast. He said, if you don't think the Jays are going to be good or just going to be relevant this year, you're an idiot, plain and simple. He said that. That's his words, not mine. (laughs) That's a guy that plays in the Blue Jays. And that's also the cool thing that you guys kind of have all you guys have chips on your shoulders man i mean no one's talking about how good you guys are how good you guys are going to be everyone's kind of just talking about vladdy and Bo. no one's talking about not even calvin biggio is not even brought up about that much in the media man he's such a good player so what has it been like for you to play with calvin biggio because that guy is so he looks like he could like minister a church he looks like he's just full of wisdom that guy Calvin. Biggio. <laughs> I, I love this guy i like his uh i like his at bats I think um, his plate discipline for being as young as he is, is he's very mature. He doesn't, I feel like he doesn't chase outside the zone too often. Just from my point of view, um, he seems to work the pitcher, get into deep counts quite a bit. And he may, he wants the pitcher to make a mistake. And when he does, he's got such quick hands, especially middle third of the plate. He's able to keep that ball fair and, and hook down the right field line. Um, and then in the field, uh, he's still getting his feet wet there. Um, you know, he's still young, but like, he's very talented and he, he's got a great mentor and his father. Um, so the sky's the limit for, for Kevin. Oh yeah, dude. It's oh, God. You're just giving me chills talking about this. I, I literally like think the Jays are gonna be nasty and no one believes me. And the next thing I want to talk about is because you guys are just kind of traveling hotel to hotel. How tough has that been for you? Especially a guy with a family just to be have to travel all through the U S now you don't even really have a home anymore. Right. I mean, you're just living, unless you're just staying at a house in Buffalo, but I, I kind of doubt that. How hard yeah. has that been for you? Just kind of going from hotel to hotel pretty much. Yeah. Uh, not easy, but we're just embracing the grind right now. I mean, there's, there's nothing we can do. Our hands are tied. We just have to, you know, deal with what we're presented with and focus on winning baseball games. That's it. When you win, everything's better. When you lose, not so much. <laughs> and look at it like based on this way. Pretty much you guys are on a boys trip across the United States for three months. That's how I would treat it as just me and the guys just playing a little game of baseball, maybe just uh, playing cards on the plane. Just, just a guy's trip. You're on a guy's trip traveling the U.S. By right the way, now. we're not allowed to play cards on the plane anymore because you're contact, in contact with the cards and, and shuffling and, and touching. So oh they, they, they bang playing cards on the plane this season. So what do you, you guys just play virtual poker stars? Like what do you guys do for what do you guys do for fun on the plane? I mean, a lot of guys like to watch movies and, and TV shows on their iPads or computers or on the on the TV headrest, um, listen to music, but no cards this season. It's kind of weird. 
damn that you hate to see that because that's like a like i in my opinion like that's like a grizzled vet game you got the the grizzled vets in the back of the airplane gambling with tens of thousands of dollars just playing cards man i mean that's what we love that's what the fans want to hear about that's why i started this podcast the the two big games that i've seen are are um pluck and and bure i've never heard of both both. (laughs) do you get in the card games a little bit or no uh not really i i like to just observe uh, i like to keep my money um <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll watch so you're the complete opposite as me pretty much man i mean i i would <laughs> i would be dialed in on the back of the plane just losing my salary it's just that's what i would be doing that's what i'll be doing yeah, that, it's fun though it's it good fun. stuff it is fun, man. It's like it's just, the Jays seem like they're a little bit closer this year, man. It's 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 exciting to see. And I wanted to bring out you played in Japan because you mentioned you played in Japan. You took a year off from the majors to kind of, I believe, get yourself right or just get that confidence you had back in Japan, right? Yeah, the best thing for my career was going to Japan. It it gave me plenty of opportunity to say, here, you're. I was actually starting pitcher for the first half of that season, and uh, really helped me come into my own figure out what works, what doesn't work. And I could, I could fail a little bit to really learn um, and, and become a better pitcher. And when I went to Japan and we, and we won the championship there and I got a chance to play with some great players, uh, I, I gained confidence in my abilities again. And then when I came back, I just took off. Would you suggest that to guys that you kind of see struggle that are just going through AAA, MLB, just kind of shuffling back and forth? Is that something that you would suggest to a big leaguer that's struggling or a guy that's just struggling in AAA? Um, Probably more so guys that are kind of like fringe MLB players, guys that are up and down. Um, It gives you some job security, gives you some financial security going overseas. You can make some good money and just gives you a chance to really just step away from American professional baseball because it can really just mentally drain you and then you go to Japan and all of a sudden like you're on this pedestal now and you're like the guy and they're like looking for you to like save their team um it's a really cool feeling and, and when you do do well the fans embrace you they're like a celebrity there um the the place is, is very clean it's very safe um it's just a really cool country and, and um culture Oh, dude, it seems electric. Like, the games see cool, like, insane. What was one thing for you? Like, what was the biggest culture shock that you got in Japan where you're like, I'm not in the U.S. of A. anymore? <laughs> well, it normally takes me probably, like, 30 to thirty minutes to an hour to get all my groceries. Well, my first experience at the grocery store there, I had no idea where everything was. Everything was obviously in Japanese. It took me, like, over three hours to get, like, 12 items. I kept Googling, like, what does ketchup look like in Japanese? And then, like, I just had to, like, walk down every aisle until I found the ketchup. That took, you know, 20 minutes to find. So that was the biggest, like, challenge at first was getting my groceries. Dude, that's, that's electric. I mean, that's hilarious that, that, that they don't even have a – do they don't have a guy, like, go with you and be like – like, a translator be like, this is this, this is this, this is this? We only get translators at the field. So we had oh. two translators, four guys, four American guys at the field. But once you leave the field, you're on your own. Um, so, yeah, that was a challenge. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's definitely a massive, massive challenge. This is completely off topic. I just thought about this because I mentioned it to Jake Fraley. Um, I was thinking about doing something here. Well, I wasn't going to do it because I'm not the person to do it. But this is a little suggestion here for your wife because she has a little bit a good social media presence. 
I was thinking about this uh, Major League Baseball Wife podcast where they talk about the stories of being a Major League Baseball wife. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a genius? Am I a genius or what? I think it's a really good idea. Um, my, my wife, she would love to talk about her experience, especially like I think it's cool because she's experienced both Major League Baseball and Nippon Professional Baseball, considered like the second best league in the world. And just to get both perspectives from a wife standpoint, I think a lot of people would be interested in that. You know what? I I might have to send out a formal invitation here. I mean, we might have to. I I, won't, I would love to hear the stories because, like, the cool thing is, like, the crazy thing is, is when you're a major league baseball wife and you, your husband's getting roasted by the fans or just roasted on Twitter. I always. Oh, wondered, she gets defensive. I Oof. wonder how hard it is for her, right? I mean, how hard? Do I think you, it's harder I'd on her than it is me. I'd be making burner accounts. If I was her, I'd be making random burner accounts roasting people. How she <laughs> ever get close to roasting? Me. I can, I can take it. I can take the scrutiny. My wife, on the other hand, oof, she's like an attack dog. She 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 doesn't put up with anything. Yes, dude, that's electric. I mean, I feel like I have to. I, have, I might have to get her on for a special segment just to hear a couple stories. Just it would be good of crazy things that she's gone because because I guess she could kind of be a little bit less unfiltered or just say stuff that's like hilarious where it's like I wanted to just I wanted to put this guy in a Twitter body bag when he roasted my husband oh like yeah <laughs> I, she, she has a really good memory too so she remembers a lot of the nasty tweets and comments from people so she'd be able to give you a lot of that information has, here, here's a question has she ever roasted someone back or like said like listen here dude shut up to someone like a fan or anything like that no because I told her do not <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't give in to that. That's what they want you to do. Yeah. I'm like, ignore it, ignore it as best as you can. So she just vents to me. It would be definitely hard, especially just to see like your husband just getting roasted or whatever. When what people don't understand is, is we make the game look like so easy uh, from the TV and that this game looks a lot easier than it is. But when you're out in the field, man, it, it's, it goes quick. The game speeds up on you. And obviously the talent levels is the best in the world. Like it, it's not easy. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and, and a lot of times when people, you know, dog me or, or say like, that was, you know, awful pitch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I oftentimes just, just hold the ball out to them and say, Hey, do you want to pitch? <laughs> Dude, okay, well, we're going to go back and forth. Here for lot, game's a lot easier from the couch, buddy. Exactly, exactly. We're going to go back and forth here for a second because I'm going to – I'll say something that I hate that fans say when they're watching a baseball game, and then you could just say it back. We're just going to do 1-1. This is the thing that I hate the most. This is my all-time. Why would he swing at that? Why, why are you swinging at that? That's the biggest piss-off of all time when, let's say, like yesterday, Tyler right. Glass, now our guy, throws a nasty breaking ball, and a guy swings when it's in the dirt, and someone's like, why would you swing at that? That's that's the thing. That's what I hate the most. Throw a strike. I hate that. <laughs> you, you 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 get the first two guys two quick outs, and then all of a sudden you throw three straight balls. It happens to everyone. I don't know why it happens, but it does. And then you get that fan that just chirps and throw a strike. <laughs> like, did you forget? Forget I just got the first two guys out in two pitches. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, I totally forgot about that. And here's an honorable mention. An honorable mention is when you go to pick a guy off at first, and the away team fans boo. Like you're just the biggest idiot of oh, all time yeah. for picking someone off. That's that's oh, something. Those battle me. I'm like, do you not understand that the runner is fast, and I got to <laughs> keep him close to the bag so he doesn't score. Dude, it's it's a hilarious man. And talking about fan interaction, we have a couple more things I want to talk about. Talking about fan interaction, what is the most ruthless slash funny thing where a fan has said to you in an opposing ballpark where you're like, "All right, 
this guy got me. That's a good one. Oh, man. I'm guessing it would have to be in Philadelphia because their fans are ruthless. They're right <laughs> on you. It's been so long. I don't remember verbatim what they said, but I know it had to have been in Philadelphia. <laughs> the, the, the battery throwers at the, at the Santa Claus, those, those fans – are insane man those fans are insane i always said at the rogers center as a visiting player they're pretty tough too i mean it's basically hockey fans at a baseball game dude Uh, that's insane that you said that because that's exactly what like trent thornton and thomas panone said like they say like they said that the the fans just say hockey chirps that are just ruthless in Rogers. oh yeah it's kind of it's fun though just because i grew up watching hockey in, in detroit you know seeing the wings play a lot um it's cool to me. I, I, hockey's actually probably my favorite sport to watch live. Definitely hockey. Oh, for sure, man. Hockey's definitely up there, and hockey's going to be back this week, man. I mean, speaking about it today, uh, July 28th, we got the, the Blue Jays playing at 630, I believe, right against the Nationals. And yeah. then we have the Toronto Maple Leafs playing at 8, and then we have the Raptors playing at 730. This is, this is the Toronto, Toronto sports fans' sports dream. Sports are back in Toronto. Sports are back, man. Sports are back. It's, it's going to be electric, and it – I can't wait for hockey specifically, especially, especially like, I guess not. Well, you guys, I just, I just hope that all, all athletes, not just in baseball, just do their part and police themselves so that we can get the, these seasons, you know, finished for everyone, you know, sports bring everyone together, you know, and, and, and that, that love and passion for your team. And like, we need something positive during this negative time. Exactly. And you don't want to be, have a guy on your team like Lou Will going to Magic City Strip Club, getting getting wings, as you said. I mean, you can't be having that. And, no. And, and the thing that's scary is we had a little scare, I guess, today and yesterday with the Marlins and all that kind of stuff, man. What What is your thought process on that? I mean, they just had a, a, a group text. I, I don't know if this is fake news. They had a group text where they're like, should we play today? We had a couple guys test positive. What are your kind of – what's your thought process on that? Like, is that – like – what are you doing? You're going to ruin the sport for us? Or do you look at these guys and be like, dude, like you, I don't know. I don't know enough of the details that happened in their clubhouse. I don't know if a player just went out on their own and wasn't following protocols. I have no idea, but but I just hope that the other guys on the team can police each other and hold each other accountable so that we can get the season in. Otherwise we won't be able to, and it's going to hurt the game. Um, It's obviously going to hurt us. So just be smart, you know, just don't be, don't be selfish right now. Think of the others. Exactly, man. And like, uh, this is me begging. Like we've had a taste of baseball back. You've had a taste of baseball back. You got to pitch in a regular season game again, man. Like don't take this away from us. That's all I'm going to say. Like this is me being selfish because I love watching baseball. I love watching you guys carve on the mound. I love watching you make diving plays. Please don't take this away from us. That's all I'm saying. Like that's this is my plea. And do you are you guys policing it? You guys have to be policing it pretty bad with the Blue Jays. We're right? doing a really good job as a team. Um, we're, we're, I mean, guys stay in their hotel rooms after the game, before the game. We, we have pre-made meals in a in a certain part of the hotel that we we go to, and then we go back up to our rooms. We, we're wearing the face masks. We're, we have hand sanitizer on us at all times. I mean, last night in the game after we won, Vladdy pulled out some hand sanitizer was scoring it on every guy's hands. So I saw that. <laughs> I saw that, man. That's legendary <laughs> stuff, dude. Like that. It's just a good like image. Like that's what we're doing as a team. We're, we're all taken seriously, and, and we want to get this season in because we we think that we can be uh, an exciting team to watch. 
Oh, yeah, dude. I know you guys will be. I'm so excited for it. And just Vladdy doing stuff like that is absolutely just hilarious. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's electric. Gotta and, keep things light and fun. And I've asked a couple of players on the team, like, who's the funniest guy on the Blue Jays? Who's the funniest guy, on the, like, you've played with on, on the Jays? The goofiest guy would probably be Trent. Yeah, dude, Trent is hilarious, and I don't know what's going oh, yeah. on with this guy. I sent him a hilarious. He embraces the the clown role for sure. I sent him a hilarious message yesterday, and it was Clay Thompson. You know, Clay Thompson doing the big balls thing when he's playing the Raptors. I sent it to Trent, and I said, "This is you walking around Washington tonight." And he didn't answer. He just read it and didn't answer. It's just like, what's going on, Trent? I mean, do you just hate me now? But it's his, it's his start day, so I'm sure he's locked in. I sent it to him out. I sent it to him after. I, oh, really? Right when he came out of the game, and he arbonned me. It's fine. We're still, I still consider Trent a good friend. And I heard Rowdy Telez is hilarious. Is this true? Yeah, he's funny, too. He's kind of the team punching bag. Everyone kind of lays into him. He just takes it. But he just – he'll dish it out, too. But he knows how to take it. Okay. I respect that. And this is, like, the second last question I wanted to ask about. What is – because you played in the majors for nine years. What is the – like, what, what's your favorite city to visit in all of Major League Baseball? San Diego. San Diego. I mean, when I played there – I felt like I was on vacation. It didn't feel like I was <laughs> playing Major League Baseball. I mean, you had the beach there. You had all the um, restaurants and, and, and bars and um, really cool, like, hiking trails. There's always something you could do. Uh, maybe that's why we didn't get a lot of fans because there's <laughs> yeah. a lot more to do than watch baseball. Oh, they're going to they're gonna be – we weren't very good. They're going to be na- – like, they're actually already having a pretty good start. They're going to be a nasty baseball team, man. I yeah, mean, for they now, got a good young core, too. Yeah, Tatis Jr. Oh, my God. Really good that player. Guy, that, that guy's a freak. And speaking about freaks, this is actually a two-part question because I wanted to ask you about this guy because this guy's going to be – he's going to – like I said, he's going to be a superstar in the majors for a really long time. What's Chris Bryant like? You played with him on the Cubs when he was dis- disgusting, dare I say, like just nasty at the game of baseball. What is playing with a guy that won – has the most beautiful eyes in baseball, first of all. Like, you just... They're just mesmerizing. Mesmerizing eyes, uncomfortably good-looking. What is it like playing with that guy who just has it all? KB's great, man. He's actually, surprisingly, he's very, like, quiet. He's very to himself. Um, Rizzo's the loud one, you know, yeah. bringing attention. If, if Rizzo was on a team, KB would be fine with not being in the spotlight. He just wants to go out and play baseball. And... uh yeah, he's just super, like, chilled, relaxed. Uh, maybe that's why he's so good is he never lets the moment get too big on him. He just rolls with it, you know? For and, sure, uh, man. He plays the main third base, too. For sure. I mean, yeah, that's just – he just has it all. Some guys just freaking have it all, dude. Some guys just have it all. And who's the best hitter that you've ever faced or a guy – this is the last question, by the way – or a guy that, like, let's just say, when, you, when he steps in the box, in your head, you're like, oh, my God. I, this guy owns my ass. <laughs> I try not to think that. <laughs> but who's the guy statistically? I feel like statistically. when I'm on the mound, I'm, I'm better than you is, yeah. is what I'm thinking. But there, there's two players that, that come to my mind that have got my number. And I face them both quite a bit. The first one being Josh Reddick of the Astros. He's, uh, I, faced him, I faced him eight times, and he's hit three home runs off of me. Oh. All in the same spot. I don't know why I keep throwing that, that <laughs> to that area. It's all down and in close to him. Yeah. Um, he's, he's seen me really well. And then the obvious one is Mike Trout. I think he's hit two or three home runs off of me. I faced him probably 12 times. I think he's hitting like 440 off me or something like that. 
Um, but he's doing that against a lot of people. So yeah, you can't. It's just he's 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 in a his own league. <laughs> he's, he is. He's in a different level. He really is. And this is and this is something I wanted to bring up here because I'm kind of slowly, I guess we could say solidifying myself on the Toronto Blue Jays World Series party bus. I mean, I just I'm I've became friends with a lot of guys on the team. Would you vouch here's this is the question. Would you vouch for me to be on that party bus with the boys? Oh yeah, for sure. I love your passion and energy for Blue Jays. There it is. And like I said, man, I would like I said, I would take if and if you get in any legal trouble, as long as you pass as long as you pass the COVID screening test, you can come with us. I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll get a test. And, like, and I'll say this to guys, like guys that I like on the podcast. If you get in any legal trouble, I will bite the bullet for you. Just, just, I just want to write that. Just remember that. Any legal trouble, let's say debt, anything, <laughs> just put it in my name. I will sacrifice it for you, Anthony. I'm, I'm a big Anthony Bass guy now. I just wanted Good to mention that. God, man. I appreciate that. There it is. I, I just wanted to mention that. And there you have it, folks. I mean – this is a guy that's going to be carving in the bullpen for the Blue Jays. We're going to start trusting the bullpen again here in Toronto, and he's one of the reasons. He's making diving plays. He has a perfectly groomed beard on the mound. He looks good in Blue Jays blue. It's my new boy, a guy that I'm just excited to even have on the show, Anthony Bass, man. I appreciate you hopping on this. Johnny, thanks for having me. Like I said, I always love talking Blue Jays baseball and uh, look forward to – this 2020 season and, and hopefully be that Cinderella story. All right, let's go. Section two, episode two. I don't know why I said section, but this is episode two of fade me, get rich. Last week we were buzzing three, one and one, depending on how you look at it though. If you faded me one, three and one, so don't fa- actually fade me this week because I'm due for a couple losses, all right? The first pick I have is the Indians on Thursday. Shane Bieber on the mound. Maybe he'll – I mean, he's going he's gonna to card. It's Shane Bieber. Look at his last appearance. Hammer, hammer, hammer the Indians or fade me. The second pick, these guys are just came out hot out of the gate. I mean, their jerseys are electric. One of the best jerseys in baseball now. The San Diego Padres, a wagon of a team. Money line, run line on Thursday. Hammer them both. Hammer them both and pay for your Friday matinee. Pay for the bar on Friday. The next pick on Friday. Early game. It's an early game. You get to watch after work, maybe even during work. Watch yourself make money. Cardinals against the Brewers. Hammer the Cardinals. Jack Flaherty, Flaherty, whatever. I don't even know how to say his last name. Hammer the Cardinals. Money line on Friday. The next pick. And this is a little underdog action here. I th- they struggled last week. It's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. They struggled last week. Anthony Rendon's back. Hammer the Angels to beat the Houston Astros on Friday. Easy money. It's probably going to be plus money. They haven't even released the odds yet. But hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. And that is episode two of Fade Me Get Rich. Let's have a good weekend, everybody. And just keep the Friday, Thursday vibes going here. It's a long weekend in Canada. Let's go.